Hello and welcome to another episode of Sensational She Geek live from Yancey Street. Today is Monday, September 20th, 2021, and this is episode 34A. As this is an A episode, we do have one bit of news that we're going to cover before going into the weekly comic book poll list, which is actually a fair amount shorter than they have been recently. It's going to be a nice short week for your wallet, so that's something to look forward to, perhaps. After the poll list, we're going to be talking about Marvel and DC Comics in December. Both publishers have officially released their... Uh, solicitations for what will be coming out in the month of December. So I will be going over not everything that's on the solicitations for the month because that would be every single comic that they release in that month and that would be a lot. Uh, I will be going over the things that are noteworthy um, or that caught my eye for any reason. Lots of number ones, things starting up, things that are continuing or finishing and stuff like that, creator changes. Uh, things like that. So for both Marvel and DC, I have their December lineup, uh, some things that I've picked out to talk about for what the publishers will be putting out in December. To start things off though, as usual, if you would like to find me online, you can find me on Instagram at my username is Anna with the comics because that is my name and I do have those. Um, and on Twitter, my username is Savage She Geek. My website is sensationalshegeek.weebly.com where I uh, still have a blog hosting a good deal, a great deal of my old comic book and related media writing. Um, everything that I talk about on the podcast, I pretty much used to write uh, essay kind of style on my website. Um, and that was really time consuming for obvious reasons. So uh, I pretty much just transferred all of that to the podcast. And now I just talk about it. Um, that being said, you can find uh, what I could do call pod notes, which I haven't updated in a while, but I, at some point I'll, I'll get there. Um, but those are also available to find on the uh, archive section of the blog because uh, they are basically the notes that I work off of for each week for the podcast to make sure that I don't get too off track and make sure that I don't miss anything that I wanted to talk about. Um, they're not really neat. Um, it's a fair amount of copy and pasting, but um, it is there for an option if you would rather read the podcast um, or read the local news material, you know, relevant news material, uh, then listen to me talk about it. And it's also there for, of course, anybody who is hearing impaired who would still like to keep up with the podcast. Um, I have... There's going to be some news about Madeline Pryor, hopefully, coming at the end of the year. I have her entire reading order on my site. And what I mean by that is I went through, I've read her her complete history in the comics front and back a number of times. Um, but I have, if you're ever curious about what happens when she's in the comics back in the day or in whatever era, <laughs> really, um, I have all of that pretty much just... Um, narrated by myself. I put it, I just kind of put commentary of everything that happens uh, to Madeline Pryor when she is in the comics, issue by issue. Um, and so that is available to kind of give you a faster summary of who she is as a character. If you would like to catch up on that before she makes her um, really, really sought after appearance. <laughs> There's a lot of people waiting for this for a long time. Myself, definitely included, of course. Um, but this year she will be hopefully reappearing at the end of the year and hopefully sticking around for some time this time. Fingers crossed. 
But anyway, that's also on the website. Also on my website, um, getting back on track here, links to anywhere that you can listen to the podcast, which does include most places you can listen to podcasts and YouTube, uh, where I also post action figure review videos. Uh, Beerus from SH Figure Arts was the last one that I did. And the next one that I will be doing is going to be the HasLab Sentinel, if it will ever arrive. I think it's been going on three weeks now that we've had tracking and it has not budged. <laughs> um, it's getting a little bit frustrating, but it will theoretically be here at some point. And at that point, I will be able to do a front to back review video on that. Um, if you would like to support the podcast, of course, the best way and the easiest way to do that would be to share it, um, like, subscribe, share, save, favorite, whatever it is that you can do on the um, whatever format that you're listening to this on, go ahead and do that. That's the best way and easiest way to support the podcast. If you feel like donating to the podcast in any way, the podcast does have a Patreon. Uh, it is under Sensational She Geek, really easy to remember there, on Patreon, which is a basically monthly subscription service um, for creators who you support. Um, you can think of it as the, the amount, whatever you feel like the entertainment or knowledge or whatever that you get from the podcast in a month or whatever it be that the cost of a, of a comic book or of a, whatever a regular podcast subscription would be, um, that is completely all up to you. I also have the, um, recently established Kofi, K-O-F-I, that is under SheGeek, which is a one-time donation system where you, the whole idea behind it is donate to this creator so they can have, buy a cup, buy themselves a cup of coffee while they work. Uh, there is also a Redbubble store, which you can find under SheGeek shop. And of course, I will never be charging to have anybody listen to the podcast as the main podcast as that is, um, that, you know, in the future, maybe there will be Patreon podcast specials, specials or something like that if there becomes a large enough audience for that. But don't, I'm never going to, it's never going to be a necessary thing that there is ever any financial burden to you to listen to this podcast. So, and that will be the way that it always is. So let's go ahead and get things going here with the one little bit of news that I have for this glorious Monday. <laughs> it's kind of funny news, actually. Um... <laughs> This was something that had been, I guess, in the past briefly mentioned uh, among other shows that could be happening on Hulu. Uh, but this is one, a lot of them fell through the cracks, and this is one that stuck. And that is a Hitmonkey animated TV show on Hulu. Uh, unsurprisingly, it will be very much in the vein of MODOK, not animation style-wise, but in adult humor style wise. Um, obviously a lot of different characters and things going on in the Hitmonkey show as opposed to MODOK as well. So there's not going to be a lot of crossover except for the fact that this is not going to be a show for kids. Um, and that's why it's happening on Hulu. So I have a few things to say about this. I have a few quotes, I suppose I should say, uh, about this going from various uh, gosh, going from the Disney site, the Marvel site, Entertainment Weekly, um, I think that's, that's the three that I have here, but going from various sizes and depths of, of the description about what the show is about. So for the first one we have, after a Japanese snow monkey's tribe is slaughtered, he joins forces with the ghost of an American assassin and together they begin killing their way through the Yakuza underworld. That's their most very basic overview of the show. It's pretty easy there. 
Um, you get a good idea of what's going on, what to expect in the most plain sense. Now, uh, going moving forward, we also have uh, a much longer description here. Okay, so it says a Japanese snow macaque. Oh God, macaque, macau. Shit, I don't know how to say that. M a c a q u e. It's the type of monkey that he is. <laughs> I should know how to say that. Anyway, a that with a penchant for murder teaming up with an assassin's ghost to take revenge on the people that slaughtered his family, all while political drama unfolds in the background. Now, as for cast, it's kind of fun. We have Jason Sudeikis is playing the character of Bryce, who is the ghost hitman who is a mentor to the monkey who is apparently noised or voiced, I'm not really sure what it's going to be, by Fred Tadeschior. And I I want to say that name has been in some of the What If episodes? I could be wrong. Um, and it says the two become inexplicably linked after Bryce is murdered in the Alps and Monkey's tribe, I guess I just call him Monkey, Monkey's tribe suffers the same fate and thus their tale of revenge begins. Monkey is an incredible killer, albeit one with a bit of a rage problem, so it's up to the oft-sarcastic and cynical Bryce to help him channel his abilities for good and to compliment him on his sweet suit. It also says George Taike is in the, is in the show as a good-natured politician named Shinji with his niece Akiko. Akiko? We'll see. Played by Olivia Munn, voiced by Olivia Munn, rather, who are both thrown into the political spotlight after following an unforeseen tragedy. It says in order to continue in the footsteps of his mentor and dear friend, Shinji begins his campaign to become prime minister of Japan. Then we have uh, Ali Maki and Nobi Nakashin, Naka, no, Nakanishi as police officers investigating the case of Hitmonkey to determine whether he is a force of good or evil. Uh, there's a character, Aito, who is played... Oh, oh that's the uh, the latter of those two voice actors. Is looking to repair his tarnished reputation within the force while Haruka, which is the former, is trying to realize her potential as an officer. Um, there were a couple of familiar faces in the trailer. Um, I have a feeling a lot of people would be expecting to see Deadpool in this because of the very well-known and well-sought-after Deadpool and Hitmonkey 2-pack from Hasbro of action figures, which, by the way, I do have a review of on my website. No, on my YouTube page, which is linked on my website. Either way, you can find it there. Um, it's a really fun... I, I, I bought that not too long after it came out. It's a really fun 2-pack, and I, I do not have any regrets on getting that still, so... Um, there's also Lady Bullseye, who has a very brief appearance in the trailer. Um, really makes a lot of sense that she would be in this. She herself, uh, best that I can figure out, she herself has not had a lot of, of any crossover with the character of Hitmonkey in the comics, which she's only had 22 appearances as it is. So um, he's, he's not the most um, well-known or or biggest character at Marvel right now. Um, but Lady Bullseye, interesting that she's going to be involved with this because she is Japanese. She is a Japanese daredevil villain um, who was imprisoned by the Yakuza as a young girl 
and was going to be sold into sex slavery and was saved by, um, I believe she was saved by Bullseye himself. And that's why she chooses the name of Lady Bullseye to kind of follow in his footsteps. I believe that is how it kind of goes. I know the Yakuza part is correct. The the the, the reasoning behind her becoming a villain, I, I'm not totally sure on, but that's what I gather. Um, so she's got a, a fairly dark backstory. And if... Hitmonkey is going after the Yakuza, um, it really is quite likely that we're going to see the two of them butt heads in some way. I don't really see them working together, um, just because Lady Bullseye doesn't strike me as that kind of character. <laughs> um, but no doubt their paths will cross because they're both trying to, I'm sure, take down the Yakuza. So that will be very interesting, and I'm curious what story they're going to give Lady Bullseye, if they're going to go, if they're going to explain it to be as dark as um, it, it really is in the comics. Um, as for Hitmonkey, um, <laughs> as I said before, he only has the 22 comic appearances. Um, <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny that this is a show that's happening um, when there are people who complained about the, I don't even know if it's confirmed, but the Echo spinoff show that supposedly is going to be happening at Disney Plus, um, spinning out of the Hawkeye show, which is coming this December, um, or is it November? It's November, late November. So people were getting, because Echo, I don't know, she's had some odd appearances, I don't know, but, um... Not not a ton. She's a fairly modern character. Um, not hugely well-known either. Um, I would argue she's more well-known than Hitmonkey. <laughs> um, but I would like to see the amount of uproar about this show as I saw about that supposed Echo show. But anyway, Hitmonkey as a character, um, he's got this whole history with the... Um, gosh... I'm rereading all of the 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 rundown of it here, and it's really just he he just gets, he gets trained because he's got these skills, and he gets trained by this assassin, which I guess is the guy who they're calling Bryce in this. <laughs> um, I don't know if the assassin's got a name in the comics, but he was trained by an assassin. Uh, the hit monkey tries to save him, but he is it doesn't really work, and he's got all these newfound skills. Um, he was banished from his clan because he was really violent and angry on his own. He um, tries to save his tribe, but they are all killed and the assassin along with them. And so that's kind of like his origin story. Because he, 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 he flares at a clan slaughter. The monkey picks up the extra guns from a bag and proceeds to kill the entire group of men. This shit is like, you, you, this is hilarious. Um, the fact that this even exists, man. <laughs> and he does have a few issues that he crosses over in Deadpool with Deadpool. Um, he's only been around since 2010. His first appearance was Hit Monkey Number One by Daniel Way and Dalibor Talajik. I'm so sorry, I probably said that wrong. Um, that was 2010. Um, and then he's been in a couple of Deadpool issues, um, a Hit Monkey one shot. The three hit monkey issues, um, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, he he. It's about uh four. Nope, it's only about three issues of Deadpool that he's in. But apparently, that is the character that 
because, you know, Deadpool reasons, I'm sure, that he got most connected with. Um, it looks like the story deals with Spider-Man um, and Hitmonkey, or excuse me, Spider-Man and Deadpool trying to track Hitmonkey down as Hitmonkey goes around killing corrupt cops and stuff in New York. Um, let's see... Hitmonkey gets shot and apparently dies, but then survives due to his healing factor in the end. Um, and then Spider-Man, I guess, is just like aware that he's alive and is like, okay, that's fine. This is, this, this, it's a very strange, uh, little summary I'm reading here, but, uh, but that's about all that there is of Hitmonkey in the comics for the most part, period. Um, not too much, but there's going to be a whole show about it. We have Jason Sudeikis, Olivia Munn, uh, friggin' George Taikei. <laughs> so, with nothing else, this will for sure be fun. Getting into the comic book poll list for the week, we have a lot fewer things than we normally do, um, but I'm probably not going to go on and on and on about things the way that I sometimes might, but I do have the solicitations for pretty much all of them, so that'll be the bulk of what we discuss for these issues. Uh, first up, we're going to talk about, and as usual, these are all just numerically ordered, uh, Aquaman the Becoming Number One. This issue is, I'll read the solicitation in a second, but this issue is basically spinning out of future state Aquaman where we had Jackson Hyde as Aquaman and Andy Curry as Andy Curry. Yeah. Andy Curry as Aqua woman. Um, excuse me. And she spent years, it seems tracking him down through basically a celestial ocean. Um, really cool trippy stuff. I really like the character of Andy Curry, and I very much like the character of Jackson Hyde. I like the idea of him becoming the next Aquaman, uh, just like I like the idea of Andy Curry working alongside him as Aqua Woman. Uh, so this is going to be pretty much the kickoff of his time uh, that we see him as Aquaman. Now, the way things are kind of playing out at DC Comics after Future State, um, of course, Future State you know, itself was a look at the future. Um, and so not everything is following through to be actually what happens now. Um, there was a lot, I mean, for the most part, we all kind of assumed that the events that happened in future state were going to be happening five years down the line minimum, but it's been months. It's been a couple of months <laughs> and we're seeing these events start to play out, which is not necessarily a critique. It's just kind of very, very easy to tell how future state was meant to be something else. And the fact that it's kind of playing out in this very backwards way of we see the full, um, we see the full force of what's going to happen in the future. And now we jump backwards in time to where we were before we, we saw that future bit. Um, and we're working our way up to getting to that future bit. But things are kind of not quite catching. They're not quite lining up with what we did see in future state. 
Um, and I think a lot of that is because of whatever it was a future state was supposed to be that got canceled and rolled back to just this two month thing um, that we're now working our way back towards again. Um, that really just shows me that that was that this was all supposed to be one. This was supposed to be something else, um, and they're just kind of trying to piece together getting to the point that they wanted to be at for future state but something maybe a little bit more reasonable, um, what they think the audience may find to be more reasonable. But that all being said, I hope that makes sense a little bit <laughs> in some way, but that all being said, I really do, um, I enjoy a lot of the future state stuff that happened, but this Aquaman, uh, between Aquaman and Superwoman, those are my two future state things. And of course, Wonder Girl, which is, we're now seeing uh, Joelle Jones using the Wonder Girl series to work her way up to what we saw her as in Wonder Woman uh, for future state. So that's all very fun and exciting. But anyway, back to Aquaman. The solicitation here says, Jackson Hyde finally has it all. Mentors who support him, a community that loves him, an honest relationship with his mother, a cute new guy in Amnesty Bay who's caught his eye, and access to Aquaman's private training facility in Atlantis. Well, he had it all, until the training facility and half of the Atlantean palace got blown to kingdom come with Jackson in them. Now Jackson stands accused of working the life he worked so hard to build. Aqualad's going to need a lot, all of his skills, wit, and cunning just to prove his own innocence, let alone graduate just from sidekick to Aquaman. So this is going to be a very much, um... I want to say political, but it's not political in the way that people's brains are immediately going to go to. It's political in the way that he will have to be dealing with this politics of you are, I guess he's in line for the throne or whatever the, the however that works. Um, but if he's going to be, a, you know, seen as a criminal, he needs to win over the people. It's political in that sense. Um, and we'll hopefully be ending with him fully supported and accepted by his his you know fellow Atlanteans and anybody else who he needs the um acceptance and support of it's only going to be a six issue series uh, it's by Brandon Thomas and Diego or oof Olor Tegui sorry um but this is definitely one that I've been looking forward to for a while I don't I don't think we're going to be seeing that much Andy Curry in it. Um, there is no mention of her in the solicitation and there isn't really any reason based on this solicitation that she will be showing up in it other than just her being the child that she still is in the comics. Eat the Rich number two is coming from Boom Studios. This is of a five issue mini series. Um, really, really dug the first issue. Uh, it tells the story of a woman who is going with her boyfriend to his Uber uber wealthy families estate or whatever they call those um to i guess the retirement party of one of their um butlers and she kind of has a weird feeling about it the whole time they're not her kind of people um the the uber you know and so she kind of is getting really weirded out by stuff and she goes outside for a brush of breath of fresh air and winds up witnessing the hunt and murder of, as far as I can tell, that butler who was supposed to be retiring that night. So things are not as they seem. Um, and it looked like they were going to eat him. They were going to barbecue his limbs and eat him. So there is something weird going on here and she is no doubt terrified now. So her name is Joey. So when I read the solicitation here, that's 
when I say Joey, that's who I'm talking about, says, is Joey willing to pay with her life to uncover the gruesome secrets behind Crestfall Bluffs? Joey is beyond disturbed by what she just witnessed and has every right to be, but when she confides in her boyfriend Aster, his reassurance about his family's weird rituals and traditions only fuels her suspicions. Still, Joey will need proof in order to expose the truth of Crestfall Bluffs, but what she finds produces more questions and danger than answers. I mean, it's a five-issue horror series that has pretty solid bones to it. I'm, I'm, I'm in for this. This is going to be really fun. Killer Queens number two is a four-issue series that we are going to be halfway through with already this week. Um, I dig the heck out of this. The first issue was hilarious. Um, it is super sci-fi. It is super gay. It is super out there. Um, and it is a hilarious look at a, I suppose, futuristic society? A futuristic universe that we could be a part of. Um, it has everything from, I mean, speaking of Hitmonkey, you know, it has everything from a monkey toting guns through the galaxy who's a mob boss, it looks like. Um, or some kind of gangster. Um, and he's got, what was it? They were otter assassins. <laughs> some kind of science experiment thing it was hilarious and completely ridiculous that is totally my kind of thing it says about the second issue the killer queens face their greatest threat yet deportation after their ship is shot down on a hostile moon reformed galactic assassins alex and max find themselves locked up in a high security detention center by some very hostile and very xenophobic aliens when they get help from a tough when they get help from a toughest nails, not to mention smoking hot rebel prisoner, they'll find their way through the deadly facility. Can they break out in time to complete their rescue mission, or will Max screw it all up by fawning over his new rebel heartthrob? Probably. That's my vote is probably. And this does come from Dark Horse. I'm going to start mentioning the publishers of the Andy comics because I think that variety is the salt of life. And variety I do try to keep in my reading list, so I will be pointing that out as I go. Mercandolfo's Sweep of Preka number three, as I keep saying, was one that I was not expecting to enjoy, but this shit funny. Um, I don't even know where to start. Um, it's Mercandolfo is the creator of this original character, Sweet Paprika, um, and she has this comic that is now coming out in the U.S., and she also has, I believe, an animated series deal that will be happening in Italy, I believe. Um, so this is definitely taken off and is a, uh, kind of sudden crowd favorite character and story. Uh, Sweet, the Sweet Paprika's comic series that we're getting here is going to be 12 issues. It's published by Image Comics, um, and it is not for children. There is much talk of, uh, solo and up to many partnered sexual activities. Um, there is... That's really, that's really most of it, actually. That's, that's primarily it. Not for kids, for that reason. Yep. Um, but it's a lot of fun, and it's the kind of thing that, like, like, Sex Criminals, if you are familiar with that series, um, I don't want to say tastefully sexy, um, because your definition of tasteful is probably not the same as mine, and that's fine. Um, but it is, um... I don't, I don't know. It, it, it's not all about the sex, I guess is the, the best way to say that. It, it's, 
Um, that's obviously integral to the plot, but um, the plot is also lots of other things. So if you were into kinky devils and angels um, <laughs> and the cartoons, this shit's for you. <laughs> Uh, let's see. We got X-Men number three by Jerry. Is it, I already forgot. Is it Gary or Jerry? I think it's Jerry Duggan and Pepe Larraz. Um, this has been a really cool kickoff to the non-Hickman X-Men. Um, and while Hickman's time at the X-Men is ending unknown for how long in December, which we'll talk about when we get to the Marvel December solicitations, um, it's difficult to say how much of this X-Men series is going to change when he is gone because he is still head of X. He's still technically leading the group. Um, but this X-Men series is probably, I mean, of course it's going to be lasting far beyond Hickman's time, uh, with the X-Men as a whole, but unsure if the Hickman established ways of writing, such as the white pages and things are going to continue through this era. It would make sense that they do. Um, but I just, I don't know. I was just thinking about that and wondering if possibly they would want to differentiate the creators some way. I don't know. It just, it does seem kind of stupid now that I think about it. Um, but this has been really good. They've been putting in a lot of villains and characters and things that, um, for the most part, aren't too overdone or lame. Um, but they are, um, really creative, I have to say. Uh, we're seeing nice creativity in the X-Men series, um, and we're, we're seeing a lot of room for new things. So that's also, that's really exciting. There's just a little line here for the solicitation. It just says, evolution is the enemy. The X-Men are no strangers to being targeted for their genes. But when the high evolutionary returns with his brand of unnatural selection, the survival of the whole planet is at stake. The high evolutionary is a complicated character. He has been in a number of Marvel characters origins, um, here and there, including Spider-Woman and uh, potentially um, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, although I'm not 100% sure where they landed on that. I think he's still involved with their origin. I think they, they kept a lot of that. Um, but the fact that he's popping up in comics, you know, cool, good for him. What I find that to be interesting is that this is not the only place that he's been popping up in the comics. He was once again in Spider-Woman a few months ago. Um, there's a few other places that he was in the comics that I can't recall at this moment, but, um, there have been a lot of theories that we're going to be seeing the High Evolutionary in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 as the creator of Rocket which I can't recall at this exact moment if he was the one who created Rocket in the comics. Convoluted comic stuff is very hard to keep track of sometimes. But anyway, um, it's really starting to point to more than likely, yeah, we're going to be seeing the High Evolutionary in the MCU soon. So if you're that kind of hard spec person, get on that. Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow number four is halfway through the eight-issue series by Tom King and Bill Quise Evely. Um, 
this is, if you're familiar with the way that Tom King writes, this is a very different format for him. Um, he tends to give you pieces as you go along to discover what the final ending will be. But in this, we have, we already know what a portion of the ending is going to be. The the character who these two girls, Supergirl and um, whoever this young girl is who's out there with her, traveling with her, we know that Supergirl kills the guy they're looking for. Um, after that, we're not really sure what happens, but that is where their journey is leading them to right now. So we already know that destination. Um, we already know how that's going to end partially, um, which is different to, to, to a way that a lot of comics work, but specifically to how Tom King tends to write his stuff. He never really gives you that piece of the ending um, from what I've seen, but this has been a really, really fun series. He writes Supergirl absolutely phenomenally. I still am sticking by my theory that the series is going to end with Kara becoming officially Superwoman by name, because of course that is how we see her in Future State, to go back to that for a moment, it was as Superwoman. However, in Future State, she had left the planet because of various reasons of falsehood and disappointment, which included people having trouble calling her Superwoman and just sticking with the Supergirl because that's what they were used to. Um, when that really is a little bit demeaning to somebody who is trying to mature their image and their whole name. Um, what we have for the solicitation here is Supergirl sets her sights on the brigands, a group of dastardly nomads hellbent on slaughtering all they come across. Now she must follow their path of destruction to find the fugitive that they've been hiding who set her on this intergalactic journey in the first place. That's the one who we already know she's going to kill, uh, but we don't really know the context 100% of that and we don't know what will happen after. So we're headed in that direction. Um, the outcome of it, un unknown. But I'm loving it. As for Vampirella number 24, it's quite a jump. Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow number 4. Next on my list, Vampirella number 24, and then Catwoman number 35. I don't know, I just found that something worth mentioning. Anyway, um... <laughs> to be completely honest about this Vampirella series, I have issues 22, 23, potentially 21, I don't honestly remember. Um, I have not read them yet because I'm waiting for the last issue to come out, which is 25, and then I'm going to read that whole chunk because that's the whole, that's the new arc um, that the that the comic went on, the, la the final arc. Um, so all I really have here for you is the knowledge that, unsurprisingly, because it's been advertised everywhere in, uh, is Dynamite, by the way, in Dynamite comics, um, Vampirella is going to be having a wedding <laughs> in issue number 25. And you know, I gotta say, I don't feel good about that at all. <laughs> um, I, I, I haven't read these past couple of issues. Yes, that's true. But somehow I feel like this is going to be a real... Um... What's the way I can say this? <laughs> um, roofy kind of situation. Sorry, but it just seems like this is not something she's going to be going into willingly. Um, and I don't really like the idea of... If, if that does happen, if she is in a brainwash going into a wedding in the final issue, please just let her get out of it right at the end. 
I don't think we need to end the series on that kind of really twisted note. What we have here, though, in the solicitation says, 20 years ago, he was an abandoned child by hunted by religious zealots. Today, he is a man desperate to cheat fate and outrun his destiny. Vampirella protected the child, but can she save the man from the prophetic doom of the Dracula virus? With time running out, our favorite vampire finds herself torn between love and obligation, as she is given the opportunity to end the terrible legacy of Dracula. But at what cost? Man, I have got to catch up with this stuff, because I am clearly behind. Catwoman number 35. Now... For the millionth time, for the umpteenth time, I don't know how many Jenny Frizen covers we have of Catwoman, but I want to say she started at 22. Doesn't matter. Um, that is one of the primary reasons that I am getting Catwoman is because of the Jenny Frizen variant covers. Um, this month, if you are curious what it looks like, it's Selena Kyle in what appears to be... Now, Jenny Frizen is known for her, what you might call, busts? No, that's that's more upper body section. She does from like the like a little below the belly button up usually. Um, sometimes down to like depending on how zoomed out the image is down to like mid thigh ish. Um, that's really what she's known for, especially for female characters. Um, she draws very what I feel is f fairly realistic female figures. Um, if you look at the hips of her female figures, um, especially the ones who wear the very, very tight latexy clothes like Catwoman. Um, you can see that she, she, she puts the, the accurate, I want to say lumpiness of the bone structure beneath the woman's body. Um, you know, not a total perfect figure eight, like a J. Scott Campbell, you know, blow up doll kind of situation. No, she's, she's very good about, yes, they're slim or whatever, but they're, um, they're formed, their bone structure is formed properly beneath the skin. And that's, I really, really appreciate that. Um, she's well known for her art style. I'm just going to talk about this for a minute. I decided she's well known for her art style, which is, um, uh, very loosely descri description of it could be, she draws um the outline and then she i think i think she draws the outline digitally and then she prints it out and goes over it with like chalks and um charcoals to do shading and then she i think she scans that into the computer again um and does color digitally on top of that it's a really, it, it, I feel like there's a few steps in there that I miss, but it's a really beautiful process and the outcome is stunning and um, really honestly very easy to, to point out once you know what you're looking at. Um, she has a very unique individualistic style which makes it extremely easy to collect when you see it. Um, the other reason that I am collecting... The, oh, I didn't finish telling you what this cover looked like. So it's Selena in a um, standard... It's like a black turtleneck dress thing, probably going down to her midriff uh, belly button area. Uh, but she's holding her whip in her hands. It's like a glowy-looking whip. Um, but it's on, like, a black background, and she's wearing the black turtleneck, so the clothing, her body really just molds into that black background. And so you see her hands, is it her arms? I'm not sure. Uh, you see her hands, yeah, her arms, cause it's like a 
sleeveless turtleneck dress thing. Um, her arms and her head from like mid neck up holding the whip and it's really really beautiful um <laughs> but the other reason why i collect the these catwoman issues even though i really don't dig how Rombi writes this character and that could be totally how dc is directing him to write her i can't say that i'm not there in the office with him um but there has been a good amount especially more recently of poison ivy in these comics, uh, in these Catwoman comics. So I have kind of started this thing and I, I wanted, I want to put it on my blog under hashtag poison Ivy watch. Um, if I can get myself to do that. Oh gosh. Um, but that is, that's something that I've started doing the past couple of weeks that comics are coming out, giving updates on what is up with poison Ivy in the current comics um, because I'm a big Ivy fan and she has kind of just been sprinkled here and there through DC Comics including Catwoman, Harley Quinn, and Batman. Um, there may be others that I don't even- I'm sure she's been mentioned in, you know, Nightwing, a few others I'm sure, but those are the three that she has been actively appearing in and being a relevant part of the plots. So in, um, in Harley Quinn, there hasn't been too much of it. It's, it's been loosely mentioned, their relationship now that that's canon again, or canon period. Um, but then in Batman, we know that um, after the last, after after my last Poison Ivy Watch update, uh, that included the Batman, I don't know if it's, it's just the, yeah, Batman Fear State Alpha. That was that issue where we, from that we know that um, the two Ivies, which is Queen Ivy and then just Ivy, who Queen Ivy is in Batman, being addressed by Catwoman, or excuse me, by Harley Quinn and the Gardener, and uh, the regular Ivy has been in Catwoman and kind of is under the protection of Selina, but I don't think Selina really realizes that this is not the complete Ivy, whereas in Batman, um, Harley Quinn and the gardener are aware that this is not the complete Ivy and now have the plan of finding that other part and connecting it to Queen Ivy so that she can be whole again and be herself because she's being very strange on both sides right now. Um, so it looks like in this issue of, um, of Catwoman, we should be seeing the two groups Catwoman and her Ivy and then Harley and the Gardener and their Queen Ivy, we should be seeing those two groups at the very least get on to the same page because the solicitation here says, says some stuff about Alleytown that I really don't care about. Harley Quinn believes Ivy is the key to helping the city, so she and the Gardener start heading to Alleytown to track down Catwoman and retrieve Ivy. So there we have, finally, the two parties are going to be getting on the same page um, of what's going on and what the plan to do is to complete Ivy once again. We're going to move on now to Marvel in December. These are things that have been announced in the official solicitations for Marvel Comics in December. Uh, things that I went through that list and found to be new, noteworthy, um, relevant or just worth mentioning as they continue and go forward. So we're going to start off with this is not in a particular order, it's really just in the order that 
that website I went to had them in. So Devils is obviously, of course, as I said earlier, definitely not um, not anywhere near everything that's going to be coming out from Marvel and then when I get to it in DC in December. Um, not at all. This is just stuff that I uh, wanted to mention from those solicitation announcements. Starting off with Devil's Reign number one of six. This is, of course, going to be by the Daredevil team Chip Zarsky and Marco Cicchetto. Cicchetto, I always do that wrong. Um, this, as best as I can kind of figure, is going to be Chip Zarsky's King in Black, where they kind of threw Donny Cates to the King in Black event that he ran the main portion of, and then it kind of seemed like they just told, they gave all the the spin-off issues, they, they told the writers just a general, like, this is what we want to see in that issue, and go have fun with it, and that's for the most part what I'm seeing happening with this Devil's Reign event, which is beginning in December. Um, I'm not very excited for this, I'm sorry, I... I feel like I should be, but I'm really not. Um, it's one that's definitely worth mentioning because I know a lot of people are, are looking forward to it. But I feel like part of why I'm not excited for it is Substack. It, it's ruining things for me and I'm not even paying him anything yet. Um, this is all, of course, you know, my problem. This is not actually Substack's problem because this is all my own theories, being that Chip Zartsky was gonna leave Marvel pretty much in full to go to Substack. And a reminder, if you subscribe to him, all the money that you are, quote, paying him on your Substack subscription is actually going to charity for LGBTQ plus uh, teens, I believe is what it is. So um, that's because Substack gave him a wad of cash um, and he doesn't, I mean, they basically paid him for a year in advance so he is donating the income from the additional income uh, to charity. So just there's that. I just wanted to point that out first. Um, but he was leaving Marvel to do that, just as many creators kind of have been doing. Um, and then this event was announced a few weeks later. Um, there had been a lot of talk. If you are a subscriber to the Chip Zarsky newsletters, there had been a lot of talk that made it sound like Daredevil was going to be ending in December or in November, whenever it was that he was going to be leaving and going to Substack, at least for a time, same way that Jonathan Hickman is leaving. And then this was announced after a little bit of silence in the, in the, in the radio, um, silence over there, whatever, you know what I mean. I just feel like this was something that Marvel said, hey, We'll give you anything you want if you just stay here and keep writing Daredevil. Which, good for Chip. Awesome for you. Um, you're, you're getting two paychecks now, so that's excellent for you and yours. But um, I don't know. It just kind of feels like that could mean not as good things for this. But again, this is not anybody's problem but my own because I don't have any of this confirmed. It's just my own theories. Um, but we have covers for number one by uh, the regular, of course, Marco Cicchetto. And then we have um, Dan Jurgens, Peach Romoko, John Romita Jr., Scotty Young, and Nick Bradshaw. If there is not a name in that list that you do not like to collect as a comic reader, I do not know what to tell you. Um... Nah, it's not that weird, I guess. <laughs> the solicitation talks about 
Um, story building for years. Wilson Fisk went from kingpin to mayor, and the, the biggest Marvel series I got was a superhero called New York City Home. The one who destroyed Daredevil has set his sights on the Fantastic Four. Uh, Wilson Fisk has set his sights on the Fantastic Four, Iron Man, Captain America, Spider Man, Disney Jones, Luke Cage, and more. Since it's Fisk, once he takes them all down, you know he's going to sign it. Huh? Doesn't make sense. Crossbones, Taskmaster, Typhoid Mary, Shocker, Whiplash, Rhino, Craven. Fisk has an army of supervillains at his command. It's, I mean, I don't see the re the need for an event as also part of it. This is going to be a whole event. We're going to have, like, regular issues that are going to be tying into this. Whatever. To each their own. I, I'll read it, but I'm really not too excited for it. Uh, Timeless number one is going to be written by Jed McKay with art by Kev Walker, Joe Bennett, and Mark Bagley. Um, this was one of the ones, um, excuse me, I'm choking, uh, just like on Daredevil's, excuse me, Devil's Reign, um, which is going to be six issues. This is, uh, Timeless is one of the ones that was announced on that Marvel future graph they put out a week or two ago. Um, just prior to this, I'll be announced, I guess. Uh, so this Timeless number one, this Timeless, uh, series, I guess, it says, um, how do you win a war against time? A special year-ending adventure that gives portents as to what is to come in the Marvel Universe over the next 12 months. King the Conqueror is a warrior destroyer subjugator. And he even, but he, but even he is subject to the whims and vicissitudes of time itself with someone I swear I have a bachelor's of science degree from a four-year university <laughs> so in a parallel timeline threatens to overwrite the future King has fought so long and hard to control the master of the ages has no choice but to go to war with time itself battling through days of tomorrow as he struggles to prevent the end of what is to come Featuring all the major players in the Marvel Pantheon. This one, I can definitely put my finger on why I'm not excited for this. And that is because this is one of the clear effects of the MCU on comics. And a lot of times those end up being real half-assed stories. I'm sorry, but that's just how I see it. Um, but we do have covers here. It's a lot of covers here. We have covers from Kale Nu. Woo. Uh, Don Heck, Natasha Bustos, Juan Cabal, Carmen Carnero, Joshua Casara, Ebon Cobello, Coelho, uh, Patrick Gleason, Peach Fumoko, and R.B. Silva. Uh, that is, again, timeless. If you're into the whole Kang stuff that's popping back up a lot in the comics, there you go. Avengers Forever number one is by Jason Aaron and Aaron Cooter. Um, it says, an all-new series starring the Avengers of the Multiverse. On a, on a quest for cosmic vengeance, Ghost Rider finds himself roaring through the wasteland on a ruined Earth, where the great age of heroes never came to be, where hope is a four-letter word, and where his only ally in the coming battle against the greatest villains any universe has ever seen is the world's most wanted archaeologist, Tony Stark. Oh, so they're finally going back to that and the Invincible Ant-Man. Uh, spinning out of the cosmical events of Avengers 750 and operating in lockstep with the Prime Avengers series, the next great Avengers saga begins here as the Mighty Spheres of the Gods. Meh. Um, the whole archaeologist Tony Stark, I'm assuming that is talking about the Tony Stark who got sent into like 10,000 BC or whatever, and then they just never mentioned it again. That was really weird. They're going to try and make that one work now, I guess. Um, covers include Matteo Scalera, Betsy Cola, Russell Dodderman, Carlos Pacheco. Um, so good covers, at least. 
I don't have too much enthusiasm for this Marvel stuff. It's not looking good. Uh, oh, this one I learned. Demon Days, Rising Storm number one is, of course, completely by Peach Momoko. What it says very briefly, if you um, haven't already, you know, figured all this out, Marco Yoshida's journey through the mysterious forests of Kira... Kurosaki Mountain has brought her face to face with strange and terrible creatures, but she's about to be tested like never before when she crashes past with literal gods. You will want to miss this electrifying showdown in part four or five of the Demon Day Saga by Stormbreaker Peach Romoko. Don't worry about the Stormbreaker thing, it's not important. Um, this is going to be Storm and Thor as the two gods that Mariko is going to be facing off with. Um... They are really, really cool looking designs by Peach Momoko. And as the solicitation said, this is part four of five. And yes, they are all connected. Some people were really confused about that. They are all connected. <laughs> um, we have covers for this one, of course, by Peach Momoko, Gurihiru, Mike Allred, Kara Andrews, Russell Dodderman, Alex Gardner. Um, so some really cool covers. I'll probably just get the standard Peach Mocha one for this one. This might be the first one that I only get one cover for. We'll see. Now this one I'm quite excited to talk about. Inferno number four of four. This is by Jonathan Hickman with art by Valerio Shitty. <laughs> That's his name. Um, it says very briefly... Two Embers, Jonathan Hick. This is funny because this is to me, my two Embers. Jonathan Hickman's time on X Men ends with the dramatic conclusion of one of the first and best mysteries he brought to the line. Valerio Shitty <laughs> returns on art. I gotta stop to bring down one of the foundations of the area. I had coffee. Can you tell? Um, so this is really exciting. Um, there is going to be some cool stuff happening in Inferno that we don't even know. Uh, but, but the thing that this is referencing about one of the first and best mysteries that Hickman brought to the line of comics, that is talking about Destiny and Mystique. Um, this is one of my absolute favorite things Hickman has done since coming to Marvel. Like, out of all of it, Avengers, Fantastic Four, favorite thing. Um... So we know that Moira McTaggart, who is a mutant, is alive. But if she dies due to her mutant powers, all of reality will reset and she will be the only one who remembers. That's what her power is. Um, she then gets reborn and has to start it all over. Um, so that was basically what House and Powers of X was about. Um, the thing, one of the rules of, well, one of the secret rules of Krakoa between Moira, Professor X, and Magneto is that they cannot have, uh, what do they call them? They cannot have future, future tellers, um, prophets, no, <laughs> people who'd have like the, the see the future, whatever the term is for that, that I'm blanking on right now, those cannot exist on Krakoa because then they will know that Moira is alive. Um, and that will, they will see what it is that, you know, has kept this reality going, which is the fact that they had, you know, countless realities Moira went through before. It's a whole thing. Um, so basically, Moira, uh, not Moira, Destiny, who is a dead precog, there we go, precog, precognition, uh, 
she is Mystique's wife. She died some time ago. Um, and in an early, I want to say X-Men number three issue by Hickman, we saw a little flashback to Mystique speaking with her wife. Um, and the reason we saw this was a, was she went on, she, she did a deal for, uh, oh, this was also towards the end of Hickman's X-Men stuff. It was re-brought up. She did a deal for uh, the Quiet Council that if she does this thing for them, they will consider bringing back Mystique, or sorry, bring back Destiny. Um, so she does the thing, isn't successful, but she comes back and they basically go, well, you weren't successful. No, oh, well. <laughs> um, so then we get into this thing that happened next, but number three, where we saw this flashback of what, what Destiny told Mystique that makes all of this so so much of a much weighted on crescendo um, that we're going to be seeing unfolding in Inferno. And that is, she basically told her there is going to come a day where the mutants, we live on an island, not this island, not one that exists right now, but it's going to happen and it will be paradise. When that happens, um, bring me back. You have to bring me back. Because they will be able, they will be in control of life and death, and they will be able to bring people back from the dead. Bring me back, and if they don't let you do that, burn it all to the ground. Um, I I still get chills thinking about that issue because that was like, oh, you gotta understand. <laughs> you are supposed to be on Team Mystique here, Xavier Magneto. Moira, they are the villains of this story, folks. Mystique is the one we are meant to be rooting for. She is meant to be getting her wife back, and it is an injustice that they are not letting her get her wife back. And I am so ready to see her burn Kirko off the face of the map, but that's what it takes to get justice. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry that got loud. I am super pumped. <laughs> Electra, Black, White, and Blood number one of four. I just figured this would be fun to mention because it's another one of those anthology series, but it's about Electra. Uh, this issue is going to be by Charles Scholl, Soul, Declan Shelby, and Leonardo Romero with art by Leonardo Romero, and that's all it lists here, so there will be others, no doubt. The variant covers by Merker Andolfo, Bill Sinkovich, Adam Hughes, and John Romita Jr. The only thing here it says is... Fact, noun. Definition of fact, one, A, something that has actual existence, B, an actual occurrence, C, Electra Natios is the best assassin in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> okay. Ms. Marvel, Beyond the Limit, number one of five, is going to be by Sa uh, Samira Ahmed with Andres Ginolet. Um, this says, while on a break visiting her cousin in Chicago, Kamala Khan stumbles upon a robbery at a university physics lab and maybe sets off an explosion of interdimensional proportions in the process. Still nothing she can't handle or so she thinks when she gets home and finds her whole world torn, turned upside down and into a Bollywood set. Why is everyone she knows singing and how can she make it stop? That sounds really fun. Not going to lie. I may check this one out. Covers by Mashal Ahmed Peach Ramoko, Terry Dodson, Nat Natasha Bustos, Scotty Young, period. 
there's going to be Wastelanders stories, which are basically, if you know the old man Hawkeye, old man Logan stuff, it's all in that kind of world. The Wastelanders stories are going to be following Star-Lord, Wolverine, Hawkeye, Doctor Doom, and Black Widow. Um, one thing that I saw about the, I believe the Hawkeye one is that Hawkeye is trained in that world by Stick. Stick in that world is Matt, not Matt Fraction, Matt Murdock. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. I don't know. So it's going to follow the classic, you know, Wolverine and Hawkeye. And then you're adding Star-Lord, Doom and Black Widow. Actually, I think the Star-Lord one, they had old man Star-Lord as, um, an audio um, and one of those like audio comics that they do for people, they do them for fun reasons. It's like a podcast kind of thing, but, um, it's a really good option for people who, um, are blind or have issues with reading is that they can listen to these fun audio comics. Um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, so that's, that's a couple of Wastelanders ones to look forward to if you're into that whole world of, um, apocalyptic heroes and shit. X-Men Trial of Magneto number five, the final issue, what is going to still be by Leah Williams and Lucas Wernick. It does say, justice is served. The mystery surrounding Magneto and Scarlet Witch is resolved. The guilty will be judged. The innocent absolved. The victims avenged. And all shall be, and all shall endure their own trials. Now, the thing that caught me on this was it says the victims avenged. I would think, I still think one of these victims is going to be known as Magneto because this is going to be a trial for Magneto to have to get through the death of his once daughter. Um, so, and the fact that it says all shall endure their own trials, that's, this is all a trial that Magneto is going to have to endure. He is not on trial. Um, he is not putting anyone on trial. He is going through a trial. Um, trials and tribulations sort of trial. So, um, doesn't, doesn't really push to how this is going to end aside from the fact that as we all kind of figured Magneto wasn't the one to kill her. Um, he's just going to be going through a lot to find out who did. Hellions number 18 is coming as a final issue. And for some reason I did not copy and paste it here, but it does say in the solicitation of Hellions number 18, the return of a long awaited Marvel character. And there is a lovely Peach Moko cover, which features the one and only Madeline Pryor, the Goblin Queen. This will time out with the last issue of Inferno, which the first series in the 80s took place during Madeline Pryor's original reign as the Goblin Queen. You see where I'm going with this? Madeline Pryor is going to return! I expect all the art. I just want, I just want everybody to be doing art of Madeline Pryor. Her time has come, or will be coming. And yes, I will be bitter if I'm wrong about that. <laughs> Spider-Woman number 18 continues by Carla Pacheco and Perry Perez. Um, it's, it's a Devil's Reign tie-in. Nothing too special. Captain Marvel number 35 is, I don't know if it's wrapping up the last of the Marvel storyline or if it's just continuing it, but what it says here is, it's part four. 
As Carol and the other Marvels fight to save themselves and so much more from Vox Supreme's dark plans, the Avengers and the Guardians of the Galaxy join the battle. While Vox Supreme believes he knows of Carol Danvers inside and out, she has thrown him a curveball that neither of them have ever imagined. Fans old and new will lose their minds over this one. Don't miss the biggest expansion of Carol Marvel Carol, of the Captain Marvel mythos since she took the name and claimed her stars. I would say that's false because I would say the biggest expansion of the Captain Marvel mythos was when it was announced that her mother was Kree and therefore she took back that power from being power given to her by Marvel as to power that was came from inside of her. That was the that was pretty fucking big, guys. Um, I have a article, pretty much, that I wrote on my website that actually talks about that between her and She-Hulk. How, at the same time in history and comics, they were both going through really tumultuous changes in their history. Um, but it ended with them taking back, as I say in the article, taking back their own powers for themselves. Um, so that's there if you want to look that up at all. But... Um, I, I can't really say what this reveal is going to be except for, you know, some shit with Marvel or rather the the scroll who is in disguise as Marvel and acting as Marvel, who we haven't seen since he left Earth last time. So, um, I don't know, but hopefully it won't be something that we all go, oh, well, that's not very exciting. I think that would be the worst option. And finally, for Marvel, uh, Raphael Pimentel is going to be joining Kelly Thompson on the Black Widow series. Um, unfortunately, I guess Elena Casagrande is booked otherwise. I will miss her. Finally, we are going to be discussing, last here, DC Comics in December. Just like with Marvel, this is in no way all of what is going to be coming out from DC Comics in December. These are just things that I felt were noteworthy um, or looked really interesting. Now, one thing I want to say before I go into this is um, I kind of talked to my husband about this a little bit as well. It seems that DC is handling... Um, trying to keep audience interest and audience retention. Um, they're handling that a lot better than Marvel. Marvel seems to be, as my husband said, throwing spaghetti at the wall to see if anything sticks, um, where DC is going for variety. And as I've literally said already in this episode, variety is the spice of life. Um, and putting a variety... If you, okay, let's say they got 50 Batman books. Okay, fine. But if 40 of those are completely different and undone, you know, they haven't they've never been done before with Batman, they take the character in new directions, they put it in new worlds, they give it new interesting new characters and counterparts um, and people they've never worked with before. You do that, it doesn't matter if that story's canon. People are going to be buying it and reading it because it's a good, new, different, interesting story. Um, I can't really say for sure what it is at Marvel that they're doing wrong. The one thing that I'm seeing as being the defining difference between Marvel and DC, a lot of their new stuff is DC is coming out with, I want to say the majority of the stuff that I have on this list, it's not that much stuff, but the majority of it, well, a big chunk of it is not canon. They have so many... You know, between Catwoman, Lonely City, Dark Knights of Steel, World of Quip, Krypton, One Star Squadron, Batman Urban Legends, um, 
there's just and that's not even everything that, that was on the, the December solicits. There's so much that they're going for that they're not insisting that their writers keep looped into their universe. It keeps out continuity issues. Um, it makes it so that the writers don't have to worry about keeping things, I mean, kind of going along with continuity issues, it makes, it gives the writers more room to do things with the characters that they will, they want to do and not having to stay within certain constraints. Um, it just overall seems to be working out a lot better. DC putting out their new stuff for, um, readers to be interested in than Marvel. Like all that new stuff for Marvel I just read, how much of that did I sound excited about? Um, Inferno? Demon Days? Um, a little bit of Trial of Magneto and a little bit of Captain Marvel, but there was, that's like a third, of, a quarter of what I was talking about that was coming out that's new and number ones in December. Um, but here there's a lot of really interesting stuff that I'm super pumped about, so take this all as you will. Batman number 118 is the first issue by Joshua Williamson with art by Jorge Molina, who is also doing the cover. We have a new Batman villain, Abyss. They look a lot like a Destiny character. Um, if you play that, um, this is going to be post fear state. Batman gets a new outfit. Um, it says thrills, chills, and international intrigue. Oh, wait, that's going to be Batman incorporated is making a return. So that's honestly sounds super interesting to me. And it's a big part of why I'm going to be picking it up and seeing what I think of this new era of Batman. Batgirls number one is going to be coming out in December, written by Becky Cloonan and Michael Conrad. I gotta say, I wish it was just Becky Cloonan. I've read a few things that was written just by her, were just written by her, and I prefer it to when Michael Conrad is on board. Not sorry. Um, it's going to have a covers by Jorge Corona, Inuk Lee, Ryan Gonzalez, Dan Hip, and Amano Yoshitaka. Um, basically, this is going to be an ongoing, ongoing series, apparently, about the Batgirls. It's going to be Cassandra Kane, Stephanie Brown, Barbara Gordon, um, I guess just the three of them. The three Batgirls. It works anyway. Uh, Barbara Gordon, obviously, as Oracle. Um, I just think it's going to be really fun. I, I mean, I'll pick up the first couple of issues, see if it's got more of the Clunan style versus the Conrad style, and um, we'll see what we think. But I, I think that's one definitely worth checking out. Catwoman Lonely City is a non-canon four-issue series that will be continuing uh, in December, same as Dark Knights of Steel is a non-canon, I believe, 12-issue series that is continuing in December. World of Krypton number one is starting in December. This is going to be a... I don't know how many issues, um, but it is going to be talking about um, Krypton as a utopia with Jor-El as the head of Krypton's revered science council. Um, General Drew Zod and even a young Kara Zor-El are all going to be characters involved. This is going to be written by Robert Venditti with art by Michael Avon Oming, Oming and cover by Miko Suyan with a variance by A. D'Amico D'Amico and Francesca Francavilla. One Star Squadron is kind of a humorous one that um, I definitely want to check out. It is where you have superheroes who are working for money. 
<laughs> it says, whether it's a children's birthday party or an alien invasion, no job is too small or too big. That's pretty funny. It's by Mark Russell with art by Steve Lieber, a variant cover by Steve Pugh. Um, I don't have the list of the heroes who are going to be in this, but I know it includes, I believe, Blue Beetle and Super... Not Wonder Girl. Uh, not Wonder Girl either. Power Girl. <laughs> Jesus. Um, I don't, I, I don't know who the rest of the team members are. I don't have a picture in front of me, but it sounds like it is humorous enough to at least check out the first issue. Batman Urban Legends continues with issue 11 in December. This issue will be written by Vita Ayala, Mark Russell, Ram V, and Mahalo Mashigo with art by, oh God, I'm just going to say with art. Um, so many names in there. I, I, there's, there's little lines above the, the Z and the C and the S. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but the, the, in, in this issue, we have a Batman and Zaytana story, which is by Vita Ayala and the one that I'm not even going to try pronouncing. Uh, this tells a story that will change Batman and Zaytana's relationship forever. Every year the two have come together to defeat an evil curse, this year they fail and the world is in peril because of it. And then there is a story called Hounded, starring Ace the Bat-Hound. Um, epic story featuring many of the DC Super Pets brought to you by Mark Russell and Carl Moster Mostert. And then White Witch is a Catwoman tie-in for Fear State Aftermath, so if you're keeping up with that. And it is going to be going over the mysterious relationship between Ghostmaker and White Witch whoever that is. And then uh, I have two more here before we're done. Catwoman number 38, which is of course still by Rom V and Felipe Andrade. Um, that is a Fear State Aftermath where we have, and it says here, a new poison ivy now walks the earth. One who seems more familiar to Harley Quinn and Catwoman than she ever has been before. That's really the only part. Oh, actually, no, we do have Nope, that's it. That's the only part that mentions Ivy. So that's all that I really felt like mentioning from the solicit. Um, so it does seem that the hashtag Poison Ivy Watch, Poison Ivy Watch, it does seem that the um, theory I have of the two parties of Catwoman and Harley and the Gardener bringing the two Poison Ivies together to make her whole again is what's going to happen. But when it sounds like when she does become whole again, it will be unlike how she has been before, potentially in a good way is what I'm hoping here. We also have finally Harley Quinn number 10, still by Stephanie Phillips, but with art by Laura Braga once again. Uh, variant covers by Derek Chu, Racha Lin, and then a regular by Riley Rosmo. Uh, I will read the whole solicitation here. It says, you know those real cheesy rom-coms where the two unlikely lovebirds lean in for the same book and knock heads in the poetry section of the school library and fall madly in love? Well, this story is nothing like that. For starters, Kevin met his new muse in the middle of Scarecrow attacking Gotham. How's that for a meet-cute? And second, despite his planning the most perfect and romantic date with Ivy, it seems like she might have something else on her mind. Love is in the air. Or wait, that might be toxic gas. This is Gotham. So that's um, more hashtag Poison Ivy Watch. Um, she is whole. She is a new Ivy. Um, and she is apparently well enough to be reinitiating her relationship with Harley Quinn. And that is so exciting! <sighs> DC, do not fail us on this one. You have failed us too many times to be able to afford failing us on this too. So... Don't do us wrong. Give us the gaze. That's what the people want. 
And with that, we will end this podcast episode. Uh, thank you for listening to whatever portion of the podcast you were able to. Uh, the next episode is going to be coming this coming Friday, the 24th of September. It's not August, September. Uh, what we're going to be discussing on that Friday episode, aside from comic book picks, which will be based off the comic book polis that I already discussed. Uh, what if episode seven, I'm not sure what's going to be in this one, but there is a mid-season trailer available on YouTube if you want to watch that. I imagine it's really just taking pieces from various episodes and putting them together. However, one thing seems quite clear in that mid-season trailer. Spoilers if you haven't seen it yet. I don't really think this would spoil anything. It's a theory. Um, it does seem that we may be finishing this season with all of the heroes who have these stories coming together. Um, led by Captain Carter. It's who she would be going by still. Um, that is kind of my working theory. I think a lot of people have similar theories. Um, you know, New York is zombified, but they're able to save the day. I don't know if it's all going to be the same universe or if they're going to be crossing through universes to interact with one another. But I definitely think that those theories that people have about this is all going to end up connected. It's definitely got some, some gas to it. The gas to it? I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, but anyway, we'll also be discussing on the Friday's episode, Titans episode nine, um, and anything else that pops up relevant in the news and things between now and then. No, I have not done a spoiler Shang-Chi review. Yes, I will still do one. We ended up not going out to the movies this past weekend because we, life happens, man. What can I say? This week is a very big week for uh, the Earth. It is the start of autumn tomorrow on the 21st. Um, so that is quite exciting for people who pay attention to those things. The seasons are changing. The world is cooling down. The days are becoming more equal. Take a moment to take stock of your life and get rid of things that no longer serve you and take in things that do. Um, do not take out your aggression on others. Do not be judgmental to others if you can help it and forgive yourself if you do. Um, stay hydrated and get sweaty about that shit you love.